This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he plants one. Way back. Go for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. How is everybody doing on a Tuesday as we're getting you ready for a little A's baseball and everything going around the league in Major League Baseball? Bill Moriarty will join us to talk about what's going on in the minor leagues with the Oakland Athletics. We'll go national with Bob Nightingale, baseball columnist for the USA Today, and then a guy who's been hot, and the A's keep winning his starts. Cole Irvin, left-hander, went eight shutout versus the Giants on Sunday, will join us at 5 o'clock. So we'll have Bill at 4.15, we'll Bob Nightingale at 4.30, and Cole at 5 o'clock. Let me tell you, there are some advantages to playing outside California. Number one for these players is taxes, what they're taxed here as players. But let me tell you another advantage, not a disadvantage, an advantage, is the weather. It is absolutely beautiful here in Oakland, California. A perfect day to where everywhere else you go, The heat is so miserable for people. You know, they've been talking about it on MLB Network, about how, you know, these guys are out there, and you're looking at well over 100 degrees with humidity in some places. Ugh. I've done that, and it's miserable. Cody, you grew up in that in Pittsburgh. I mean, you can't stay dry. I mean, you talk about these worried about these players and foreign substances. Well, now these guys are sweating so bad, and these balls are slick. I mean, I would not want to be sitting there in the Midwest or the Northeast or in the South if I'm not in a dome with a retractable roof and air conditioning. Miserable. Well, you saw what happened to Dylan Bundy last night, right, at Yankee Stadium? Second he yacked. I, I thought he was to saw his ERA up on the big board, and he just yacked all over himself. But no, he he uh, he threw up with heat exhaustion. He got taken out of his start against the Yankees, and and uh, you know we saw that wasn't the first time. There was a Detroit pitcher that had, that happened to. It's been pretty hot. I mean, Portland yesterday, I believe in Portland, Oregon, it was 115 degrees in Portland, Oregon. Did you see what happened to their streets? Uh, there were some streets that buckled. Yeah, I mean, which it, I don't understand. Like the asphalt's gonna. Bu- I'm not a street expert. Yeah. But there were streets that buckled in Portland, Oregon. You know what the weather is in Oakland right now? I'm looking at the Weather Channel I'm going to say 74. Close, 72 and sunny is what it says. That's why we spend a lot of money. It's a reality. It's why we spend a lot of money to live where we live. I, 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 wanted to, I, I don't think we wanted to start the show with this, but I'm going to start it anyway because it's, it's great to see Yankee fans in misery. No, I, I, I get it's a, so I, good. I get a quote from, uh, from Bleacher Report from Yankees GM Brian Cashman. And I quote, we suck right now as the Yankees are 40 and 38. Fourth, fourth, let me say it again, fourth in the AL East behind the Rays, the Red Sox, the Buffalo Blue Jays, and then the Yankees. Then there's 50 feet of crap. 
And then there's the victorious over the Houston Astros, Baltimore Orioles, yeah, for fifth place. You know what? After the Orioles split with the Tigers, and then they go and lose to the Orioles at home, I can't wait for some of my regulars in the postgame show who think the A's should win every single game. Like, they have no regard for the other team. Like, the other team, oh, Townie, this team stinks. And I get it. I, I'm one of those guys that thinks you, you you should win every game. You want, But that's not a reality. So here, I feel, oh, the A's are never going to catch the Astros. Oh, the Astros this, the Astros that. And here the Astros go out, split with Detroit, and lose at home to the Orioles. So Ooh. I can't wait to at 833-625-2278 tonight after the game when they call up. Hopefully after an A's victory, I can say, hey, what would you be calling to the Astros postgame show guy? What would you say to him? You'd be panicking. You lose at home to the Orioles. I, I wanted to check the attendance last night at Yankee Stadium. Dylan Bundy vomited in front of 25,000 last night. Now, I have vomited before. We all have. But usually when it's the flu, you don't feel well, you got a bug, you're at home. Drank too much. No, I've never. No, you've never been there. No, I'm 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 pretty good at holding what I put in. Uh huh. I'm right. I'm kind of a. I think I did a little <laughs> bit on my 21st birthday. I think we've all been there. But it wasn't in front of anybody. I mean, can you imagine? You feel that bad in front of 24, 25, officially 25,054 people saw you yak. Yeah. That's got to be a miserable feeling. Now I saw it in the NFL. But no one's paying really attention to the sidelines. No. You're a pitcher. You're center stage out in the middle of the field. I, I feel bad for him. And I feel bad for his 6.78 ERA. Now, he was really good last year. Yeah, he was. He was Nolan Ryan for the Angels last year. Would, would you be willing? I mean, you'd have to give up nothing to get him. Sell. So, I'm not buying. Bring, so. him, bring him to a team that's winning? No. They can give you innings, that that old change of scenery. I, I thought that I thought that was going to be the case because how many or, former Orioles pitches have we seen that happen with? I mean, Jake Arrieta is the best case where we saw he Kevin Gosman's another guy. All these guys that they ta they've taken in the first round that never did anything in Baltimore and they go on to other places and they've been great. Arrieta with the Cubs, Gosman's been great pitching for he was you know decent pitching for the Reds and the Braves, but he's been you know outstanding for the Giants this year. He's actually pitching tonight, I believe, against the Dodgers. Uh, and then you've, now we're seeing it kind of with – we saw it last year with Bundy, but then this year he's just been um, – uh, not to not to steal from what happened yesterday, he's been self-deprecating all over himself all year. So it's been a bad year for him than what happened yesterday. But the Angels did win that game. That's why Brian Cashman came out and said, we suck right now, to go back to that quote. Uh, and he said, uh, we stink to the high heavens. Yes, that you do stink right now, Brian Cashman. And that's why Tom Verducci had to do a what if on MLB Network yesterday about what if you signed Shohei Otani? What if he decided to come to the East Coast? Well, then you wouldn't have had to go out and get Giancarlo Stanton. He wouldn't get hurt five times a year. Well, I mean, the bottom line is that, you know, Otani's not going to be able to hit at this level. That's what all the scouts said. So that's what they told may me. Maybe they made the, uh, the right decision. We've got some moves that have been made today. Oh, you're, the, not you're not talking about the big Blue Jays trade? The A's have re- No, I'm not. The A's have reinstated right-handed pitcher J.B. Wendelkin, and that is good news. Frank Schwindel, who Bob Melvin has told us, 
He he he, he can't wait for this kind of. He can't wait. For, well, maybe he told us that privately, but uh, <laughs> uh, Frank Swindell has been someone Bob Melvin is like. He's somebody I can use. And as Frank, you know, I can't look at the numbers and go, this is who this guy is because, and that's what we'll talk to Bill about. You know, he's hitting 324, 16 home runs, 41 RBIs in 44 games for Las Vegas. Tied with Joe Adele from Salt Lake. We saw how bad Joe Adele was when he came up for the Angels. Oh, he's the number one prospect he couldn't hit, let alone horrible instincts in the outfield. But you put these guys at AAA where the ball flies out at every ballpark. That's a fact. And it changes who these guys are. But hopefully, Frank, I mean, Bob Melvin believes in him. So you got J.B. Wendelkin and Frank Swindell are up. And a clear space on the roster, the A's option, V-Mile Machine, to Las Vegas. He was in the lineup last night for Vegas. And they designated right-handed pitcher Cam Bedrosian for assignment. But, you know, one thing we've been, you know, talking a lot about on A's Cast Live and on the A's Clubhouse show, that is our post-game show after the A's game, is that they're going to need relievers. Well, maybe one of those guys that can be those relievers that you miss, because I've kind of, you know, when we've been talking about it with the callers, you know, when guys are hurt, they're kind of out of sight, out of mind. And I know we brought up Trevor Rosenthal, but that's ways away. But then it was like, hey, don't forget, J.B. Wendelkin is going to come back. And now I'm not saying that you're you're bringing an all-star, you're bringing a future Hall of Famer, but he is a guy when he's going well, can get outs, and he can give you multiple innings, and that is going to help your bullpen. And if you've been looking at one thing that hasn't been great for the Oakland Athletics, has been the bullpen. But that's one thing we're going to ask Bob Nightingale from the USA Today. What are we going to see more of? Are we going to see more buyers in the market, or are we going to see more sellers? Because if you would have asked me this question, I don't know, two, three weeks ago, I would have said, oh, there's going to be far more buyers. But now, when you start to look at it, it's starting to trend to more sellers, which that will make for a a better trading market. Because last year, with so many teams with a chance to make the playoffs, it was harder to do deals. Well, now with less teams going to be in the playoffs and there's going to be more sellers, who's going to get moved? I think quite a few people could, could get moved. Now, I keep hearing the whole, well, you know, certain teams lost money last year and all that kind of stuff. And, yes, they did. But I don't know if I'm going to uh, totally buy into – all of these teams being cash poor uh, as they still got the money from the TV contracts. They still got the money from the local TV contracts or some of it. So, but teams could use that excuse and that will be good news for teams like the A's who, depending on what need you want to go after, whether it is someone in the outfield or it is someone on the mound from a, a bullpen standpoint, maybe an extra starter, I mean, can you imagine adding another legit guy to Bassett and what Sham and I have been doing? Instead of having a real big two-man weapon, having a three-man weapon, if you had whoever this extra player is a starter to go along with what Bassett and Manaya have been doing, that'd be huge. Uh, The guy that I would like to see 
this is just me purely being uh, selfish. And, you know, he might have a regression to the mean, and that's because I've seen him pitch for a long time in Minnesota. Kyle Gibson's having a great year for Texas, but he's had some pretty bad years in Minnesota, and he – but the year he's having for Texas this year, what his ERA is almost under two, and he's pitched really well for them. And he'd be a great guy to add to this rotation. If you can get him and maybe a John King, one of the relievers in the uh, Rangers bullpen, to come along in a trade. I saw what about pe- Kennedy? I mean, Kennedy, I mean, he's on a minor league deal. He's on a minor league deal. He's not making anything. So he'd be a guy, too. If you can get one of those two guys. John King doesn't throw really hard. I went and looked up his numbers. Then, no, I don't want him. But he's really young, and he's really I controllable. Don't I don't care. And he's left-handed. I don't care. I, I looked up guys, but I did one. one. I, I need – I need. I. you know what I need? I need guys coming in with velocity. That's what I did when I looked up the relievers, and I did a deep dive on the relievers, which – Then give, give me names that, that, that guy – and by the way, do you, you better take Joey Gallo off of our playbook. <laughs> <laughs> I do not want Joey Gallo. I mean, there's over unders on Joey Gallo. Plus, he was mentioned in a trade article again today. He's got how? Is it, he's got 96 strikeouts. Mm, yes. You want another strikeout power guy in this A's lineup? You want, Are you kidding me? You, you know, he could you could put him in as the DH. I, I didn't want what, 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 that, No. What this is? That's not what this team needs. Well, you're strikeout not, power guy. You're not gonna find a guy that hits for a batting average. Oh yeah, there's 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 some guys out there. Well, here here's some guys. I, so you want so a team that already has an issue with strikeouts, you want to add the guy who's leading the world in strikeouts? But he doesn't lead the world. Who's who's ahead? Javi Baez. Okay, so then he's two. No, he's Matt, three. Matt Chapman's second. He's three. Then. He's fourth. Oh, he's four. You want to bring a top five strikeout <laughs> guy? My God. Well, that, oh, sorry. Let me let me let me correct that. I looked yesterday before the game started, so Gallo could. Could have slid down because, remember, the Rangers didn't play yesterday. Either, well, either did we, so Chapman didn't move up. No, thanks. And Bias probably being pat- patted his league because uh, the Cubs played yesterday and they lost again. Well, um, he- here's one. There's well, some guys I, on I, here. I think our last show I mentioned Iglesias. Yeah. Um, and he's got great velocity. I, I mean, it, 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 a lot's going to depend on who are the Nationals at this point. And I know we got Bill coming up here in just a moment. But who are they? And what are they going to be at 38 and 38 going into today's action? Like, Schwarber's on. We're going to talk about him. He's on, like, a historic pace. And I got some questions about that. When you're linked to Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa, I end up having some questions. Hey, Hall of, he's, could be Hall of Famer. Who? Schwarber. Uh, what, what, when is Bonds and Sosa getting in? Well, I mean, I'm just they, saying they got Hall of Fame numbers. When you're doing stuff that Bonds and Sosa did, I, I have to. I, I I know we're testing people, but but I I definitely I've got to question that. He is the editor in chief of Athletics Farm. Bill Moriarty is going to join us in just a moment to talk about what is going on in the minor leagues and what tell tell me about Schwindel because we know Bob Melvin is a guy that has actually pushed. For Frank to come up, and do we have Bill? Bill, welcome back to A's Cast Live. Hey, how you doing? Well, we're doing well, and we know that Bob Melvin was saying, "I, I want to see Schwindel up here." Well, f- Bob finally got his wishes. He's <laughs> having a terrific year, but as we know, it's tough to judge the numbers in AAA. How good is he? Well, it's interesting. You're right. I mean, it's hard to judge things based on Vegas and the the uh, the AAA West League. 
But I will say this, Frank Schwindel was tied for the league lead in home runs. So even though there are a lot of home runs in that league, he's still hitting more than everybody else there except Joe Adele, who also has 16. And uh, he was also tied for the league lead in RBIs. So, he, you know, he's been an incredibly productive hitter for Las Vegas. Now, of course, he's not a young prospect. He's 29 years old, so he's been bouncing around for a while. Uh, but, you know, he, he had, a, I think, a slugging percentage of about 643 down there. So I don't care what ballpark you're hitting in. If you've if you got a slugging percentage around 640, you know, you can, you can do some damage. You can definitely put the bat on the ball. So, you know, we'll see what he does in Oakland. Uh, hopefully he's got some uh, momentum going. He's feeling good at the plate, and, and uh, he can, you know, make, take advantage of this opportunity. But, um, you know, why not give the guy a chance? We've got a, we've got a spot there. Why not see what he can do? Maybe you can ride the hot hand for a little while anyway. And isn't that the great thing about the athletics is that they basically tell everybody in the minor leagues, if you produce – you'll have a chance to move up. Yeah, and, you know, in this game, in this day and age, you know, there's so many injuries. It seems like players just get hurt every week you're putting somebody on the I.L., and, you know, if you've, if you've got guys at AAA who are hitting and raking, you know, why not just give them a shot? You, you can – I mean, you've seen it before. Guys come up and they just get hot and you ride them for a while. I don't know if you know the A's, uh, you know, re-signed uh, a former friend of theirs, a right-hander Homer Bailey, to yeah. a minor league contract. Uh, he's been assigned to Vegas, too. It's just one of those things where nobody wanted Homer Bailey. But you, you, you could it's not impossible to imagine something happening like, you know, Homer Bailey starting a playoff game in October or something, you know, after the A's claim him off the scrap heap. Stranger things have happened. Oh, I, I, I put nothing by this front office. You never, ever know what's going to happen with this front office. You know, two guys that we have exhausted so much time on my shows, uh, Jesus Lizardo and A.J. Puck. We'll start with Puck. I mean, Puck's numbers down there are horrific. What's going on with him? You know, it's a really good question. I mean, the, the velocity had been down. It's, it's been ticking back up a bit. But – you know, his last outing, fortunately, he pitched a clean inning. You know, he's pitched one scoreless inning in relief. But his three outings before that, he gave up four home runs in the three outings, one in, in two of them and then two home runs in one of them. So guys are just tagging the ball off him. So, you know, I don't know if it's a matter of him just getting comfortable, getting back in the groove after all this surgery and injuries of, like, throwing right and feeling comfortable and having his motion be right. But guys are definitely teeing off on him. You just have to hope that over time that he, you know, finds his way back into that groove. But, you know, he certainly hasn't seemed to do it yet. He's not looking like the kind of guy that could benefit the A's bullpen right now like we'd all we'd all hope to see, that's for sure. And when Jesus Lazardo got sent down, I mentioned this, and I know it sounds crazy for a guy who you think could have ace potential, um, you know, whatever – but to send a guy down to get right to a league that is not easy to pitch in. And I was like, this guy needs wins. And I don't mean wins as in the win column. He needs wins as in one, two, three innings, gaining confidence. And I was thinking about maybe maybe let him go down to double A for a little bit where he's not going to get hammered like he's going to get hammered in triple A. Because so, it hasn't been that easy for Jesus down in triple A. Speak to that. 
No, it, it hasn't. You know, and the, the, the weird thing about him is, you, I mean, we've all watched him pitch well when he's really on, and he's so sharp and he has such great command. Uh, in his couple of appearances back down at Vegas, he really hasn't had that command. He's been walking guys. I think in his, his two appearances down there, each, uh, each game, about half of his pitches were strikes and about half of them were balls. And that's not the typical Jesus Lazardo. You know, he, he, he's usually got – he knows where that ball is going. And to see him throwing that many balls uh, down in AAA is, is a little concerning to me. I don't – you know, he just seems to have lost his command. And I don't know what that's all about, you know, if it's, um, you know, if it's uh, his delivery or his grip on certain pitches, what it is. But he, when he was out on the mound sometimes when he was on, it just seemed like he could place that ball exactly where he wanted it to be. And that just doesn't seem to be the case right now. So I don't know what it's going to take again to get him back, but he's definitely going to have to throw a little more before he gets back in the groove as well because uh, – you know, he's, he's not, they're not teeing off on him down there, but he's certainly not looking looking sharp like you'd like to see him be. Well, just to quote Brad Pitt from the movie Moneyball, if he's such a great hitter, why doesn't he hit? Well, <laughs> if he's such a great pitcher, why is he giving up 21 home runs in 31 games? Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, I mean, I was, I was hoping we'd be seeing Jesus Lazardo as a, as a potential Cy Young contender this year, <laughs> not, you know, watching him struggle in AAA. So it's definitely been a disappointment, and I'm sure he has the potential to do it, but, but we, we really need to see him doing it, and, and hopefully before long he'll get back in that groove. We'll see. Well, we got a bunch of guys down there hitting over 300. Are we now talking about batting average? Since every single time I bring it up, I sound like Old Man River. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I know you like you, you like the batting average, so I always like to to talk to you about guys' batting average. But you know, I think it's it's it it is significant to see in the minor leagues because you want to see that when a, that a guy can put the bat on the ball and put the ball in play because if a guy's just drawing walks and just getting on base in the in the minor leagues you know he's not going to be getting as many balls from major league pitchers as he's going to get from those more tentative minor league pitchers so you want to see that a guy can do some damage with the bat too but yeah the good news is i mean there's not so many great pitching prospects in the a system right now but they've got some good hitters who are performing well I mean, at AAA, they've got Greg Dykeman, who's hitting over 300. A uh, really good left-handed hitter. He's getting on base all the time as well. So he's got both those things going for him. And then at AA, Nick Allen is hitting, I think, 333 right now. And he's got an on-base percentage of about 380. And we all know the A's could use a shortstop. I'm hoping that in the second half of the season, the A's will promote him to, to AAA and get, get his feet wet up there. So hopefully he's ready to go, perhaps. Uh, next year, certainly ready to compete for the shortstop position next year. Um, also at Double uh, A, Logan Davidson, the A's uh, uh, recent uh, top draft pick, um, he got off to a slow start, but he's been hitting over 300 in June as well. He's another shortstop or infielder anyway. And then the guy we all love down at down at Stockton, the A's last uh, uh, top pick last year, catcher Tyler Soderstrom. He's just kept hitting. He hasn't let up. He's hitting 311. He's got an on-base percentage of 397. He's got a slugging percentage of 554. He's leading the league in doubles. He's got 17 doubles as a 19-year-old, leading the league in extra base hits with 26, and he's got eight home runs already. 
So he's definitely looking like the real deal. And I'm hoping, you know, it's interesting to see if the A's are going to push him maybe to high A in the second half as well. Um, you know, he's still just 19, but man, he certainly seems to be manhandling the, uh, the former California League, now the low A West League. He is a prodigy. And I hope he forces the A's hand because this kid, I don't know where you're going to play him. He's super athletic. Uh, you got Murph up here at this point, but uh, whether you put him in the outfield or wherever, this kid can hit. And I, I, I hope he's here sooner than later because I got a feeling. I mean, we, you and I have talked about it. He hadn't played since high school, and he's dominating. I mean, not a lot of guys do that. They're special kids. I got a feeling he's going to be here before we know it. Yeah, I mean, he really, uh, he's given you nothing to doubt him about, right? I mean, he hasn't even had, like, a bad stretch. A lot of times, these guys, they might have a a nice little week or two, and then they kind of go into a funk for a week or two. I don't think he's gone. I haven't looked this up. Don't quote me, but I'm, I, I don't think he's gone more than two games without getting a hit. He, he's just been so consistent every series he's producing. And again, it's just a 19 year old right out of high school. It's, it's amazing to see. So if they, I'm assuming that, you know, the midpoint of this minor league season is going to be right around draft time, which is a couple weeks from now. I think July 11th is the first day of the draft this year. And I'm assuming that right around that point, we're going to see, a, you know, a lot of guys get promoted to the next level for the second half, and we'll see if they do that with Soderstrom, if they decide to just go slow and keep him as sort of the hometown team there. Um, uh, but it would certainly would be great to see him go up to Lansing and see what he could do there. And, uh, again, like I said, the same with Nick Allen. It would be great to get him in AAA so that he's just uh, a step away from the majors and we've got a shortstop uh, in waiting there because we all know – what a defensive whiz Nick Allen is. He could definitely play a great shortstop in the major leagues right now. Uh, it was just a question of his bat. But, you know, so far he's hitting, hitting 333, getting on base, and he's, I think he's even got four home runs now. And he's leading uh, the Rockhounds in the stolen bases right now, too. So Nick Allen's been doing everything you could ask about him. So those are definitely Soderstrom, Nick Allen, uh, are definitely a couple of guys to be really excited about right now. Well, the bottom line is when you're a top pick out of high school, you're not supposed to be in the minor leagues a long time. I mean, this is not like you say, oh, let's let's keep him down till he's 23 <laughs> years old, right? I mean, if you're if you're legit, you're not going to stay down there long. And I'm bullish on Nick Allen because I went to school with his mother and his aunt, and his his father is our contractor for our restaurant <laughs> in San Diego. I know the family real well, and it, he's going to Tokyo for the Olympics, right? Well, yeah, he was, you know, but that was the other thing is he was away from the team for a couple of weeks with the, uh, you know, with the Team USA qualifying. And, you know, sometimes guys go away and they get kind of out of sync, you know, and it takes a while to get back. But he didn't miss a beat. Uh, he's, he's, he's leading the team in, in a number of categories, even though he was away from the team for a couple of, couple of weeks. So, yeah, I mean, Nick Allen has just been another one that's been so consistent all year. But it's funny you mentioned, you know, when you draft a kid out of high school, what you expect of him. But, you know, Austin Beck, the ace top draft pick out of high school a few years ago, you know, has sort of been just the opposite of, of Soderstrom. You know, he really hasn't gotten on track. He really has struggled. He, so to see Soderstrom doing that, you know, it, it doesn't always happen with these guys this way. Sometimes it, it doesn't happen. Uh, and, and the A's have seen that with some of their past draft picks. So it's, it's great to see it happening with Soderstrom right off the bat. 
or your top draft pick becomes a Heisman Trophy winner yeah. and becomes the first overall pick for the Arizona Cardinals. So you never know. Uh, yeah. in, in, in speaking for Nick, and I know he played for Team USA, whatever level that was, but to now represent your country in a place like Tokyo – where there, I've been twice with the A's, and we know how Japanese baseball and the Japanese people love baseball. I got to think if there was ever a team that you would want to be on for Team USA, other than playing at home, playing in Tokyo is going to be amazing for these kids. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty exciting opportunity. And like I said, outside the United States, there's probably nowhere that loves baseball as much as Japan. And, uh, you know, they get very excited about it over there. So I think it's a, it's a great environment to be playing in as opposed to, you know, sometimes you have the Olympics in a city that, where they don't even know what baseball is. So that's certainly <laughs> not the case, case in Tokyo. So I, I think there'll be plenty of attention on, the, on the, what's going on over there. Oh, yeah. There's been places over the now, you know, baseball went away. It's come back uh, in the Olympics. Yeah, but I'm sure there's been plenty of times back in the years where people are like, I have no idea what's going on here. Uh, two guys I want to end with is uh, Grant Holmes and Dalton Jeffries. They're not throwing yeah. the ball well. How worried are you about that? Well, you know, interesting. So Dalton Jeffries got off to a great start this year. His first four starts or so, he had an ERA under two. Uh, but his last few starts, two of his last three starts were – um, I think he gave up six and seven runs in two of the last three. And again, his command, normally he's, his command is pinpoint, but it's really been off. Uh, you know, he's been walking a couple of guys, walking a few guys, giving up, giving up runs. His ERA is up over five now. He had been looking really sharp down there in the early going, but he seems to, uh, uh, you know, have lost the control a bit here over the last few starts. Um, and then Grant Holmes, who, uh, you know, a lot of us were expecting a lot of this year, got off to a really rough start. Uh, his ERA is currently uh, somewhere between 9 and 10. They finally moved him out of the starting rotation and have moved him into the bullpen. He's made three relief appearances now. Fortunately, in two of those relief appearances, they've, he hasn't given up a run. He's been spotless. Uh, one of them, he gave up a couple runs. But he's looked a lot better coming out of the bullpen. So, you know, maybe that's – I don't know if that's going to be a permanent move or a temporary move, but it certainly seems to have, you know, had a positive effect on his mindset anyway. Again, he's another one. I think he'd uh, given up uh, like nine home runs in about 30 innings. So um, that, you know, was definitely a bit of a problem. But also his command was just totally off. He was walking guys left and right. He has looked a little sharper out of the bullpen. So, again, whether that's a permanent or a temporary fix, uh, at least he's looking a little better there. Hopefully he's he's headed back in the right direction again now. Hey, my new joke with the guy going tonight, James Caprellian, uh, the next time he goes to Vegas, it's going to be on vacation because he's not going <laughs> back down. Yeah, that's for sure. I'll tell you, it's it's great that he finally got a shot after everything he went through. You know, he didn't pitch at any level for two and a half solid years. And, you know, it took him a long time and a lot of hard work to just get back on the mound at any level and then to finally make it to, to that mound in the major leagues and, and looking like he's there to stay is great. And you can understand after everything James Caprillion's been through why his dad is so excited every time James <laughs> Caprillion takes the mound. Yeah, it's something beautiful to watch. Bill, always great. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. Uh, great information. Did you get everything you needed, Commander? I did. Uh, but I was a little distracted during that interview because uh, what were we talking about before we brought Bill on? 
Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa and what they had in common with Kyle Schwarber? Well, it happened again. The hottest man on the planet leading off against him, Kyle Schwarber. First pitch, belted. Deep right field. Way back. Going. 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 Goodbye. A first pitch fastball off the facing of the third deck down the right field line. Bang. Zoom goes Kyle Schwarber. His seventh leadoff home run of the year is second in his many games in the 12th of his career. A standing ovation for Kyle Schwarber. Right now, his bat, his swing is out of this world. That's how Charlie slows on the Nationals radio network. Kyle Schwarber has 12 home runs in his last 10 games. That's tied with 1995 Albert Bell for the most home runs in any 10-game span since at least 1901. Kyle Schwarber does it again. He's a free agent as of the season. He's going to get paid. <laughs> Have you noticed how his body's changed? He's slimmed down. No. He I, I, I don't know what the weight is. He's hitting leadoff, man. I don't know what the what – Brady Anderson's on the phone. And how did that – and what was that? <laughs> He's seen more pitches. Looking at Schwarber's body, I don't know if there's – a. you know, we can check. I mean, may, maybe there is a weight difference, but remember – he looks like he's gotten buffer. He looks like he's gotten stronger. So he could be weighing the same. He just changed his body from flab to muscle. But he looks like he, he looks he looks bigger from the neck and the chest and the arms. Just saying. When you're doing things, that's what? Sixteen home runs in eighteen games? When you're doing things that Barry Bonds did in 2001 and Sammy Sosa did in 1998 and you had never done anything like this before, how do you want me to feel? Since June 19th, it's now, it's now 10 games. I updated this, this graphic for, for myself. 12 home runs, 19 RBI. His batting average was 405, but that's gone up. And his slugging was 1,297. Oh, that's gone up. Dude, there's a cat right behind in the seats. Look. Oh, there it is. Oh, it's a black cat, too. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. That's not good. Oh, there's a kitty rolling around the Coliseum right now. Someone get uh, someone get Dave Renetti. I mean, you got, you got to think, what was going on? So the 2009 season, 2019 season ends, right? And that was the last year of the Raiders, right? Mm, were the Raiders – yeah, because the Raiders' first year was during the pandemic, was in yeah, Vegas. Yes, yes, yes. So after that very last Raiders game would have been in December, because after that the Raiders were on the road for two games, what was going on here at the Coliseum? you ever thought about that? No, I, I never have until now you brought it up. Think about that. You're talking about a stadium that there was nothing going on January, February, March, April, May. June, ju we started in late July. So for basically about what, almost seven and a half, seven months, there was nothing going on here. No events. I don't even know who showed up here. I mean, there was nothing going on. Maybe Clay Wood. What was happening in the bowels of the Oakland Coliseum for seven months with basically no human beings being here? What was being eaten what was who was survive it was survival of the fittest 
yes, we just saw a cat roaming the Coliseum seats. How many places do you think you'd see that in Major League Baseball right now? Not many. Probably not any. Well, I wouldn't say not any. Look out, Ken Correct. There might be a cat right where he's walking up. We can't have the voice of Summer be thrown on the IL by a, by a kitty. Not only was it a cat, it was it was the the cat you never want to see the the dreaded uh, bad luck black cat. Was it wasn't the Cubs that had the black cat incident and they were they felt like they were cursed even more. I thought that was the goat. I thought well, I thought they had the black cat that ran on the field too in the seventies. I, I know the goat and the what was his name Berman. Oh uh, no, um, Bartman. Bartman. Steve was it Steve Bartman? That's that's uh, thank you, Moises Alou. <laughs> It, did, it didn't mean you had to give it up after that, but yeah, yeah I mean. 19, September 9th, 1969, Black Hat spooks Cubs and and allows Mets. Oh, I'm reading reading the headline. Black Hat spooks Cubs and allows Mets to seize the day. Yep. See, I knew I knew I know my Cubs history. By the way, what what an excuse franchise that is. <laughs> they got Bartman. They got a goat. The they Billy got a cat. Goat, the yeah, cat. there's always something. With it's that. never the players. <laughs> yeah. Why would it ever be the players? You want to go Nightingale now? Yeah, because I want to get to the relievers that we, we can go over. All right. He joined us earlier today. He's one of the top baseball columnists for the USA Today. Here's Bob Nightingale. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, he's one of uh, one of our all-time favorites uh, with the A's and covering the athletics and Major League Baseball for the USA Today. Bob Nightingale is with us. Bob, how is life treating you? Yeah, doing great. Thanks, Chris. What is it like for you? to be back out on the road. I know you recently were just down in San Diego. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been nice. I mean, the, uh, the, the airport, airports are just absolutely packed. Uh, it's like everybody's making up for lost time now and wanting to uh, have, have fun again. <laughs> but it's, it's been unbelievable. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Were you down there for uh, Padres-Dodgers? I was, yeah, all, all three of those games, yep. Do you put that up there right now as the top rivalry in baseball? Well, I, I don't just because it's been so one-sided, you know, over over the years. I mean, Padres have never won a World Series. You know, you know Dodgers eight straight division titles. Uh, so not yet. It's got a chance. You know, I'm, I'm not saying it's better than Dodger Giant. You know, that, you know that's such a historic, historic thing, particularly, uh, you know, Yankees, Red Sox, Cubs, Cardinals. I don't put it quite there yet but it's, it's the newest thing so it's, it's fun to, it's fun to see well yeah I would agree I mean you weren't you're not going to match the history of all these other teams especially teams that have been around forever like Cardinals Cubs and you mentioned Yankees and Red Sox Dodger Giants but as of right now where we are when you talk about the action in the ballpark and like Fernando Tatis, and now they're wearing the chain, the big chain with the. Uh, I mean, you got a lot going on in that rival. It, it, it's become really fun. It's like so modern day baseball of let the kids play. Yeah, I mean, uh, they love, a lot of swagger, particularly you know you talk about you know Machado, Tatis, uh, a lot of young players. Uh, they show a lot of emotion, and of course, you know, cool ballpark, you know, right. You know, right downtown, but you know, Timmins from the airport, uh, all the uh, new condos going up there. So it is fun, and I think it's a. Uh, and these guys, uh, you know, you know, like the one thing about the San Francisco uh, Dodger rivalry is that people in, uh, you know, people in LA and they like they like San Francisco. People in LA like San Diego, and as much as people in San Francisco don't like the LA, they're just sheer sheer hatred between the people that live in San Diego toward LA. 
I mean, they won't even buy LA products. They want nothing to do with the city. They just they just, they just buy them. So that makes the rivalry good too. Well, that you know that's a funny thing about big city versus little city when you talk. And I'm not saying St. Louis is a little city, but every year we'll go over to Sloan Park for the Cubs in spring training. And I remember I was in an Uber, and outside they're selling T-shirts, and they're just ripping St. Louis like they're just a bunch of hicks. And that, whether either one is good or either one is bad, there truly is just hatred between the Cardinals and the Cubs. There, you know, there really is. It's only like a uh, about a four-and-a-half-hour train ride away. Uh, I think people in St. Louis used to, uh, you know, mock the Cubs because they can run win. It was just a, a fun team, fun uh, town to party in and go watch a game and drink beer and stuff like that. And they never, you know, people in St. Louis never thought the Cubs fans took the game seriously. Where in St. Louis, I mean, shoot, I bet 90% of fans are keeping score and everything else. And they are serious fans. I mean, they, I know they, uh, People frown on when they say this, but it's true. And those are the most diehard baseball fans in the country. Well, another great article you put out, USA Today, and talking about former big leaguer uh, David Segui, talking about the whole spider tack and these these now these new glues that they have established means that this is actually what's been going on in baseball with pitchers is worse than the steroid era. I went, wow, that's a big claim. Are you buying that? Well, I, the reason I, I, I buy what he says in the context, as uh, David Sakee said, that, hey, you know, there's so many of us that were using steroids, but there was only one Barry Bonds. Uh, with everybody cheating in, uh, among the pitchers, it's like the, the average strikeout rate was the same as, you know, Nolan Ryan days. So everybody all of a sudden was, you know, was Nolan Ryan or Randy Johnson. Uh, if those guys were using the stuff these guys are using today, they might have been striking out 25 guys again. Yeah, but, I mean, I think the thing we found out from our guy Jose Canseco, which uh, Jose always seems to have some, uh, is, is right in some ways, is that it just wasn't the hitters using steroids. Bob, it was everybody in the game was using steroids. Not everybody, but a lot of people were, both pitchers and hitters. Oh, I agree. I, I think maybe, you know, maybe 50% of baseball. Uh, yeah, pitchers are using it too. You know, more, I think more sluggers or hitters than, than pitchers, but pitchers were guilty as well. Uh, in this case, I, I think it might have been 85 90% of guys using stuff. I mean, it was just way out of control. So when we start looking towards the deadline and we look at the Oakland Athletics, obviously there's going to be a lot of teams looking for arms in the bullpen. Are we going to have more buyers than sellers? Or is as this thing starts to get closer to the deadline, we're starting to see more teams drop off. Are there going to be more sellers than we think? I think there'll be more sellers just because, uh, you know, now we're back to the 2019 rules where, you know, you only have the two wild card teams. So a lot of teams will say, you know, hey, you know what, we're not going to make it. Let's sell off. Uh, the one thing to keep in mind, too, is because, you know, all these teams lost money and stuff and people are still kind of crying poor. I think there'll be more activity after July 31st, maybe, or after July 30th in August. Because I think a ton of these guys will clear waivers. So when you think about big-name guys, offensive players, who do you think can be moved? Because there's, you know, all the speculation of, oh, this guy could go here, this guy could go there. Some of these guys may not be moved. Out of the big names, who do you think will be moved? 
Well, I think the Rockies have no choice but to move Trevor's story. Now they got to make sure they get something better than a, a top draft pick for him because that's what they'll get, you know, by giving him a qualifying offer and and he'll reject it. Uh, so I, I think he's probably the number one guy. If the Nationals fell apart, all of a sudden Kyle Schwarber's very appealing for a lot of teams. Uh, but with the National League East, I'm not sure that happens. You know, I don't think he'd be a star set of group. I, you know, like you said, uh, I think there'd be a lot of uh, relievers. Everybody seems like they need relievers. So I, I think those guys could go. You could almost pick any team uh, out of contention in their closers uh, will go. Uh, you know, the top guy out there, if the Cubs uh, completely follow this, would be Craig Kimbrell, who's pitching now as well as he has uh, in a few years. You know, speaking of Schwarber, Cody and I were joking earlier where he's like, oh, my God, look at the run he's on. And I just – the problem, Bob, is whenever we've seen something that's too good to be true – the, the speculation is there, and I'll take it out of baseball. It was like Lance Armstrong. Oh, his heart is bigger. He pumps more blood. I mean, all this kind of stuff, and in the end, you, you realize what I was watching wasn't real. Now, Schwarber has hit 15 home runs in 17 games. The only other guys to do that are Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa, 2001, 1998, and we knew what those guys were doing. How do we feel about what Schwarber's doing right now when you're comparing him to Bonds and Sosa, who are clearly using at the time? Well, yeah. I mean, then you're, you start saying, well, this is better than Bonds and Sosa because this guy you know, is clean. But, you know, like you said, Chris, I mean, who, who knows, you know, what's happening? Uh, you know, these guys are bigger and stronger. I mean, you know, you look at a guy, uh, you know, there's no evidence or even rumors, but even a guy like Otani. You know what he's doing at the plate in the mound. It's like, how's he able to do that? But that's you know the fortune, the age that we live in. Sometimes it's just too good, too good to be true. When you watch him, you know, throwing a hundred miles an hour and hitting mammoth home runs, and the way this man runs at his size, have you ever seen a better talent in your career than Shohei Otani? Yeah, just such a natural talent. Yeah, I mean, I, cover, I you know, got to cover Bo Jackson when he came up when I was covering the Royals. Uh, you know, he was by far the best athlete I've covered, uh, for sure. And uh, but yeah, I mean, when you look at Otani, I mean, he's you know he's got more power uh, than, than Mike Trout. He's certainly faster than Mike Trout, uh, better outfielder than Mike Trout. We've said forever now that Mike Trout's the best player in baseball. So what he's doing both ways. Uh, it is stunning. You know, I think at some point, I'm not sure if he can keep doing, you know, keep doing the pitching wise. Uh, maybe he needs to make him an everyday outfielder, maybe an everyday center fielder. But right now, I'm at the MVP race, uh, MVP boat. Uh, he may be unanimous. You know, so funny, Bob, is I was saying that a while ago because we get to see the Angels so much, and the way that they do their pitching staff around him. And it can be a six-man staff, and then sometimes they've even pushed him back. I'm like, what's the value of a guy that doesn't take the ball every five days and doesn't give you a lot of innings, and it causes you at times to give him days off, and really his best asset is being in the lineup every single day. Like, what do you do? We thought about maybe you move him to the bullpen. I just all The one thing that I know, and tell me if you agree, if I'm Joe Madden, I'm seeing his main value is hitting every single day. Yeah, and I think it will come down to that, Chris. Uh, you know, certainly not this year, maybe not next year, but I think eventually it comes down. 
you want this guy in the lineup every day. And they've been running him out there. Uh, yeah, well, let's see what happens with his body the second half of the season, whether you know fatigue starts to kick in or not. Obviously, he's still a young guy, but you know, there's a lot of lot of wear and tear. Uh, I I can't say uh, I can't see the reliever part because I don't know how you how you do it. I mean, you can't be in a game and then go to the bullpen and warm still warm up between innings. I, I don't, so I don't know how that would uh, work. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a uh, a fun show. Obviously, you know, we haven't seen a uh, a two way guy like this, you know, since 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 Babe Ruth. You know, all the stories we read about. Uh, you know, Kent Brett was a great, very good uh, offensive hitting pitcher, but you know, the, but to do this, plus with the speed and everything else, and uh, you know, kind of, kind of really him a couple of times, he just a very, comes across as a very genuine, nice guy. You know, when I start thinking about Bo Jackson and knowing what he was as a football player. Uh, you know, working for the Raiders, there were like these legendary stories, Bob, about how Al Davis would not tell anybody when the baseball season was over, just this guy would show up for practice in the backfield going up against the number one defense, which was a Super Bowl winning defense. And this guy's running all over them. And they're like, who is this guy? And then they realize, oh, it's Bo Jackson. When you really look at what he could have been as a football player and what he could have been as a baseball player full time. I don't know if we've ever seen just a pure athlete as good as Bo Jackson. And, and you know, we, we've talked to Mark Gubiza about it. Gooby's like, this guy did things. No, I mean, you got, you got George Brett, one of the greatest players of all time. And George Brett will tell you, this guy did stuff we've never seen before. How good of a baseball player do you think Bo Jackson would have been if he wouldn't have got hurt and never played football? I mean, I think he would have been, you know, a, a perennial all-star. I'm not sure about a Hall of Famer. Uh, he's, you know, struck out a lot. Uh, had a ton of power, ton of speed. Uh, in the outfield, he would outrun his mistakes. I mean, you know, you've seen those plays where he's running up the wall. I was at that game. You know, he, he misplayed it. Yeah. I was also at the game where he threw out Harold Reynolds at home plate. Still the best throw I've ever seen, flat-footed from that warning track. But just a uh, – you do wonder how good he – or how great he would have been if he just concentrated on baseball, even his days at Auburn, and then just did that. But, you know, just – Stuff he would do in the clubhouse. See, when he would bet uh, guys ten bucks that can jump over this table, he'd have his bow and arrow out there. Uh, he said the only thing he couldn't do is play basketball. He said he can't dribble, but you know, I think he could have been a uh, you know an all-American gymnast, all-American swimmer, whatever he wanted to do. Well, Bo knows, right? Isn't that what the commercial was? <laughs> Bo could do anything. Let's yeah, it, 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 go ahead. Right, yeah, yeah. No, it was such an intriguing guy. And I remember. Uh, Early, and when he was in Kansas City, and this is right after Auburn, he had one of the worst stuttering problems you've heard. You know, it was a, uh, you know, really sad. He went to speech class and stuff. But the reason he always used Bow is because he could never say the word I. So that's how that was always referring to himself as Bo, because he couldn't say that word without badly stuttering. Wow. But what a career. And too bad we, his career ended so soon. Let, let, let's end on this. What's your most surprising good club? And what's your most surprising bad club? Well, certainly right there in the Bay Area with the uh, Giants. Uh, no, nobody saw that coming. I mean, people in spring training thought, well, you know, if they win uh, 75 games, it's a good season. So, uh, yeah, they've stunned everybody. Uh, part of the American League would be the Boston Red Sox. You know, no one saw them sitting in first place right now. Uh, disappointing. I still got to go to Minnesota Twins. I mean, as bad as Arizona Diamondbacks are, uh, yeah, the Twins won the last 
you know, three uh, division titles, American League Central, and we're built to win again. So I don't, I didn't see it. No, nobody saw them just complete, completely collapsing like they have. Well, we always appreciate your time, and you know we're always reading you in the USA Today. Be well, my friend, and let's talk soon. All right, my pleasure. Thank you, Chris. Bob Nightingale from the USA Today, getting a little national perspective. All righty. Let's start looking at guys the A's could acquire. How about our old friend, really one of the nicest kids you're going to meet? How about Kendall Graveman? 1-0 with a 1.19 ERA and seven saves, and he's not making anything. Now remember, he, he, his numbers would be even better if he didn't wasn't on the IL for like three weeks because he had the COVID scare and he was like isolating. He was like self isolating in a hotel did he room. Ever, did he actually have COVID? I don't know the answer to that for sure. I just know he like, was stuck how, in. He was like stuck in his hotel in a hotel room in San Diego for like three weeks. How could you be out for proto- fourteen days and they dropped it to like ten or seven? Yeah, how are you there for three weeks? I just remember him being out for a while, and he's back You're now. You're saying he was in a hotel room in San Diego for I three weeks. I just know he was out for like three weeks for on, on the COVID IL. That means or at he's least fresh. It, or at least it felt like three weeks. As Brad, as, Brad's, as Brad Pitt would say, that means he's cheap. Sounds like an A already. <laughs> so, yeah, sounds like an Oakland A already. Uh, so he, he's the guy I was looking at. Another guy, I was, I was just going through a list because you well, asked and me. And also just think about this, too. He's not that long from being outside the A's clubhouse. No, it's only been a couple of years. And he's still buddies with a lot of the pitchers. Like Chris Bassett. It's it's kind of like a no-brainer bringing him back, right? I mean, he's dirt cheap. He's throwing he's mid-90s and sinking the you-know-what out of it, and he's found the role for him. And he could really – I mean, you, you, you start talking about uh, uh, bringing in a power arm – I. I can see where Ace fans would be like, really? Do we remember Kendall Graveman? Yeah, but it's a different guy now. He's coming out of the pen. It wasn't, it's a different deal. He wasn't throwing 98 with sink when he pitched for the A's. Uh, he's a guy. There's a guy pitching in the series. There's two guys in the series tonight. I mentioned John King already. He doesn't throw hard, but he's controllable. The other guy's Ian Kennedy. I mean, Ian Kennedy, he's up there. He's 36 years old, but he's – he is, doesn't have a record this, yet this year, which is not only I take that what you, with what you want, but he's a 239 ERA, and he has 13 saves as the Rangers closer because their closer, Jose LeClerc, is out for the year. I believe he had Tommy Don surgery, so he's filling in as the closer for the Rangers. And he's a, he's a free agent next year, so you can get him for the, the rest of this year. He's on a minor league deal. He's not making anything. Um, I mean, this might be a bad question, but why do you need a closer when you're 30 and 48? I don't know. Maybe we're expecting him to go on a big second half run. I mean, if you're not trying to win, what do you need a we need a closer for? Yeah, I mean, hey, the Nationals went and acquired a bunch of relievers a couple of years ago. We're like, why have they got all these relievers? And they want one in the World Series. So who knows? But I, I don't understand why you want to have a closer if you're already uh, how many? There are like 19 and a half games out of first place or 20, whatever it is now in the division. That so that's one. T- Another team. If you're going to keep it in the division, so we did two teams in the division. Uh, your guy, Rysel Glacius, the closer for the Angels. Uh, they're winning. They're uh, they're losing right now to the Yankees, so they're going to be about to be another game back. The uh, Brian Cashman's words of uh, "We suck right now" are inspiring the Yankees. Uh, but Iglesias is four and three with a three eight six ERA and thirteen saves in twenty twenty one. He's a free agent next year too. His average fastball velocity is ninety six. His average sinker velocity is ninety seven. I I don't know what those numbers mean because we're not used to seeing that kind of velocity out of the bullpen besides well, Trevino. That is what I'm talking about. They, 
need to add velocity to their bullpen. No offense to Yasmero, no offense to Sergio, no offense to any of those guys down there. But if we've learned one thing from the Rays, is that you need to be bringing in guy after guy after guy with high velo, especially once you get to the postseason. And even listening to your guy, Brian Kenny today on MLB Now, who says, you know what, I'm starting to look at it differently. He said, John Smoltz and somebody else, they've convinced me now that there's one way to play in the regular season and there's a way to play in the postseason. You have to view each postseason, it's, each, it's, it's an individual game, right? You're not playing, it's different than the regular season where, like the A's, played 17 in a row. Then you played 16 in a row. Here it's all about one game. And that's what the Rays have been very good at. And Brian's realizing, as if you didn't watch MLB Now today, where they're putting together the cheapest, best teams you could. But with guys who have all-around skills, they may not have the best metrics, but what they do is they play good defense. They're versatile. Kiner Falefa, oh, that was the shortstop that uh, BK took today. Because one of the things he said, he said, he can play all over the diamond, and he's also an emergency catcher. Yeah, he's the first player in MLB history to, I think, have like, I think it's either 50 or 60 games played at catcher, third base, and shortstop. Well, and he's having a good year offensively. But that's the thing. It's like, and we've seen this with our guys. Unfortunately, you know, their, their numbers aren't great offensively. But when you've got people that have versatility, like Tony Kemp does have good numbers. And that's why Tony Kemp is playing. And the fact that you can play outfield, you can play infield, you can play all over the diamond. Uh, would like to see Chad Pender start to hit more, but that's kind of been his thing. That's made him versatile and and good for Bob Melvin is being able to play a lot of different positions. And that's something that that BK was like, hey, listen, you know, I understand when you get into the postseason, it's not always the big things. It can be the little things why you win. How your how's your base running? How's your how's your defense? You know, how's your versatility? Are you able to do little things as much as people around baseball? Wait, bunt? Yeah, maybe putting down a bunt. Maybe hitting behind a runner. Making sure you get a sack fly and you get, you know, every run is so crucial. Being able to hit to the right side. And now with everybody shifting, the right side and the left side, depending on if you're a right or left-handed hitter, they're open all the time. So the little thing, you know, as they said, kind of, and I hate to say this, but these guys that can really play, I'm not going to use the cliche. I'm going to say it this way. Guys that can really play the game and be productive players doing a lot of different things other than just hitting home runs and walking. You know, when you start to factor in, how does the guy play defense? How does the guy throw from the outfield? Because you know what? Those are little things in the postseason that matter to where, you know, We've built so many of these teams now just to grip it and rip it and hit as many home runs and walk as many times as you can. From what I'm taking from them, you're looking for a competitor. That's what you're looking for. Uh, don't, don't tell me I'm looking for a complete <laughs> – I'm looking for a baseball yeah, yeah. player. So another couple guys before we get to Cole Irvin. Uh, another guy, my guy from the Nationals. Uh, Daniel Hudson. Uh, he's you know former Pirate Daniel Hudson, mind you. Uh, he's been pretty good. He's 4-1 with a 2590 already this year. 35 strikeouts and 24 in a third innings. Free agent in 2022. He is making six mil this year, but it's going to be probably cut in half because it's going to be halfway through the season. 
He's having a nice year. A guy that's interesting to me is t- is is Taylor Rogers, not Tyler Rogers, who we saw over the weekend of the Giants. His brother Taylor of the Twins. He's two and three of the two five three ERA and seven saves this year. He's not a free agent until 20, 2023, but he's making six mil this year. But he has an average fastball velocity of ninety six, so vastly bring different, it down. Vastly different than his brother, who throws is a sidewinder, doesn't throw nearly as hard. A couple other guys. Daniel Bard, the great story from the Rockies. He throws really hard. He's their closer. Very high ERA, but he does have 10 saves. And he does pitch in Coors Field. Yeah, yeah but, he's, but he throws very hard. He throws 100. Yeah, I mean, he, he's the story of the guy that was uh, Nuke Lelouch, couldn't find the strike zone. Yeah. Out of baseball for like seven years, and, and he's back. Now he's back blowing Ched. Two, two other guys, Michael Fulmer, the Tigers, if you remember him, he just won on the 10-day IL. He used to be a starter for them. He's actually closing games for them now. He has a four, a little over four ERA, has six saves. He's on a free agent until 2023. He's making three, a little over three mil this year. He's a guy. And then Hansel Robles, the former Angel, he throws almost 97. He's making only two mil this year. He has an ERA of 3.63 and seven saves for the Twins also. So the Twins have some guys in their bullpen that they're going to need to look to move besides Nelson Cruz in their lineup because, uh, well, let's say they stink this year and they're underperforming. Coming up next, Cole Irvin right here on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live continues from Ricky Henderson Field. Here's Chris Townsend. Did he do it again? He got another one! There is no containing this dude. Number 27. And it almost looked like he was slightly out of breath. That was a changeup he hit out. That's uh, Shohei Otani hitting another home run. His 27th at Yankee Stadium. Call courtesy Matt Baskersian and our good friend Mark Gubaza on the Angels television network. You mean A's fan, now voice of the Angels, Matt Baskersian. And voice of MLB Network, Matt Baskersian, yes. Otani, 27, now leads the American League in home runs. Uh... Bob Nightingale told us, as you mentioned, he's not going to pitch, though, probably, going forward. Well. We'll see. No, it, 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 it's – they had his value as a starting pitcher. That was the value. He was supposed to be a every – you know, he was supposed to be what they thought, and we've seen the stuff that he's an ace-like pitcher. But the problem is, obviously, Tommy John surgery and obviously babying him. But then you start looking at what his true value is as an offensive player. And you hit this many home runs. I mean, you're now you're you're talking about a guy that's going to have an opportunity to hit 50 plus home runs. You, You know. How do you keep that guy out of the lineup so he can pitch once every six days? And I and as I asked Bob, like, you know, is there a way you can use the bullpen, a la our friend Mark Kotze playing at Fullerton State? I don't know. I just know that not having him not having him in the lineup every day is not smart. You know, to to and they stopped doing it, luckily under Joe Madden, but this whole well, you know, he's not going to hit the day before he pitches. He's not going to hit the day of and not the day after. So you're telling me you're taking an offensive weapon 
that just on his offensive, just on his offense alone, if the Angels were any good, now he still could be the MVP. But the Angels aren't very good, and that might play against them. But if the Angels were good, you're saying, hey, we got a race for the MVP. You're going to throw Vladdy Jr. in there. I mean, it's going to be you know, our own Matt Olson. But, I mean, what Otani's doing, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, he's looking like a Hall of Fame offensive player. So where do you maximize his value as a franchise? Is there ever going to be a time that he can be a frontline guy? But I don't even know what a frontline guy is anymore because a frontline guy in the postseason, everybody's so paranoid, frontline guys are even getting pulled in the fifth inning. So am I going to say a guy in the postseason that goes five innings is more valuable than a guy that's going to get four to five at-bats and can hit one to two home runs or hit you know a home run and an extra base hit and steal bases. I mean, he leads them in stolen bases. He truly is an all-around talent. Is that more important than throwing him out there once every six days? Not once every five days, once every six days. And we've seen him even be pushed back off of that. And then there's times where he just doesn't throw strikes, and he's out of there in the fifth inning, and he wasn't even in the game as a bat. I just, if I was running the Angels, I would have to start looking around with everybody in the front office and start saying, hey, we just crunched the numbers. Where he's Where is he most valuable? And it's very easy. Now, I don't, I don't want to help the Angels or whatever, but it's pretty simple. He is far more valuable on an everyday basis as an offensive player than he is as a starting pitcher. Oh, I agree. I mean, what he's doing with the bat is we're, we haven't seen this, as Bob said, and we've all we've been saying, we haven't seen anything like this since Babe Ruth, and he's carrying the Angels. If they, did, they didn't have him and Mike Trout, I mean, how much worse would they really be? I mean, is Justin Upton carrying that offense? Not Anthony Rendon. Rendon in that contract. Joe Adele, he has 16 home runs playing in AAA. Don't even bring Joe. I'm just saying, like, Don't who's carrying the team if it's not with Otani? I mean, are you I – mean, It's not Iglesias. It's not – let's see. It's not – Renifro, it's not. I mean, Jared Walsh is having a great year. A great, great break. Yeah. He's having a pretty good year. Yeah, but a great year? We're looking at great years. Shohei Otani's a great year. Yeah. Uh, Vladdy Jr.'s a great year. Yeah. Fernando Tatis Jr., great year. I mean, Walsh is oh. having a very good year. I know we're going to get the... But we have, we're seeing great years. And by the way, just looking at Otani, I mean, the fact, the dimension of him running, that's something that people don't. I mean, there's people saying he's faster than Trout, and that's saying a whole heck of a lot. But let's get to uh, earlier today, we caught up with Cole Irvin after his fantastic start Sunday over at Oracle Park. Well, it's been a while since we've been able to speak. How's life treating you? It is uh, fantastic, obviously. Uh, Had an off day yesterday, so feel pretty good. Uh, Lou Trevino and I played a little golf and had some fun and just uh, enjoyed the off day. Where'd you guys tee it up? Uh, Blackhawk over in, uh, I think, San Ramon. Oh, yeah. Might be, yeah, nice nice little course. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, the home of Billy Bean and uh, Glenn Kuyper. We got a lot of A's who live out there. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the guys like to live over in that in that area. It's, it's a, lot, a lot quieter. And, uh, 
It's a little less busy. Does a day off after you throw eight innings of scoreless baseball strike, uh, striking out eight, feel a little bit better and teeing it up? Yeah, uh, my drive was definitely uh, definitely impacted by by that performance. I'll tell you that I, I was I felt pretty good on the course, but more importantly, I felt good on on the field too. That was that was that was obviously one of my better performances of my career, and that felt felt extremely good to just have under my belt, always be able to reflect on. You know, the thing that I love about your game is pounding the strike zone, and that's what you do. And it it just leads to so much success, how everything plays off your fastball. Just talk about your game plan when you go out there and you're filling up the strike zone. Well, I mean, I, I learned from a young age. I had coaches when I was younger tell me, you know, the way you make it to the big leagues is if you throw strikes and you get out. And you don't question how you get the out. You just throw strikes and you get out. And, uh, and at some point, uh, my career, you know, a couple of coaches told me that, and that's just something I've always done. And so the, so the ability to command the zone, um, you know, when I got older, that became a little bit more of a topic of commanding the zone. What does that mean? Well, that means pitching in, uh, and using what you use best in throwing strikes with those pitches. And so, you know, I just try to utilize my fastball, which is arguably my best, you know, my best pitch because I command it so well to not only the you know glove side and arm side part of the plate but also up and down and um, and then I have the sinker and change up that's just a great combo and then you know through a little bit of the slider yesterday and, or slider the other day so you know there was there was times where just everything kind of everything kind of fell into sync and I think I said this the other day was uh, you know I felt like in my last three four outings I've been so close to having a having this feeling um i know I, I know i've been searching for it i've been trying to get back into a solid rhythm um you know like a little bit earlier in the season um and so i have been trying to search for a, a few things and i, I feel like I, I found my stride again you know i had a pitching coach in college who said to me what is the best pitch in baseball for you and i went well it's my fastball or it's my circle change and he goes no dummy strike one Strike one is the yep. best pitch and will ever be. Just talk about that. When you get 0-1, you get 1-2, you get 0-2, you're in that pitcher's count, how the percentages so play better for you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a 300-point swing, uh, you know, up and down based on, you know, 0-1 or 1-0. If you're behind the count, the batting average goes, goes through the roof. And if you're 0-1, um, the, the favor, you know, comes into your play as a pitcher and so you know and being able to execute on one one counts i feel like when you get behind it's okay to you know it's okay to get one one it's it's you know there's getting ahead is so important that i think we lose like when we do get behind we need to have that pitch that we can get one one with and and uh just just strike throwing is just such an important part of the game and i i just feel like if i, I feel like guys are um stay in the game longer when you see, you know, really solid outings, you know, throughout the league. It's because they're executing pitches, they're getting early outs, they're throwing a lot of strikes early early in the game and um and then you can expand as that game goes on. And I think that's what I just did the other day really well and and uh Aramis and I really really kind of stuck together on that in our pregame routine. I told him I said, you know, I trust you uh one hundred percent. 
uh, with the Giants, and then because that's his former club, and and then I, I also emphasized to him that I said I want to I want to expand a little bit more uh, later in the game. So you know, I got some calls off the plate. Uh, you know, the most notable one, the strikeout to Wade, it had to be a ball and a half off the plate, and uh, I got that call just because I've been living in the zone for so long, and I knew I could expand. And he started giving me a little bit more of the corner later in that game so I started to expand as far as he let me well I'm glad you brought up Garcia because you know the worst thing when we're watching it and you're seeing a guy who's not comfortable he's constantly shaking off catcher's got to come out you're just thinking oh no these guys aren't in sync just talk about what it's like when you do have that trust as you mentioned he played for them but you guys are just vibing out there together to where you can just you know as we talk about hitters see ball hit ball you can just see sign throw ball as a pitcher yeah i mean ultimately i gotta remind myself that it is my game and sometimes you got to get out of sync to find that new rhythm um and get get yourself further in the ball game and and there's times where you gotta have you got to have discussions with your catcher, and, and that's what Sean and, and uh, Aramis do so well is they, they do so well of understanding what we like to do in certain counts, and uh, we try not to be too predictable. There's times where I definitely can be, and that's where you see those a little bit bigger innings. And, um, and so for me, it's, it's, AG was just so on point with everything. He knew when I wanted to expand. He knew when I wanted to go up and – and there was a couple times where he wanted out and I wanted in, but because it was the same fastball, I kind of threw it. I still kind of threw it to where I wanted to throw it. So I wasn't necessarily shaking him off, but uh, you know, there was just like so many, there was just so many times where, um, you know, this, this season, just Sean and AG have been, uh, you know, so good about just communicating with me about what they, what they see. And, and I, I communicate with them with what, what I'm seeing as well. You know, it was nice to see Sean and I get a couple hits, but normally when we see guys in the American League hit, it's going to be a disaster. And I thought that bunt that you got down perfectly, which led to the run, just shows how you've been playing in the National League. Talk about when you go up there, how you really can't help yourself. It doesn't always have to be a base hit. It can be a little small ball with that bunt. Yeah, I mean, I think think the whole day kind of, for me, on the offensive side of the ball really kind of uh, exploded after the hard hit ground ball that I hit to the shortstop and, and ran hard down the line. I mean, I'm not necessarily fast and, and, <laughs> fast and definitely not fast. I should say that. And, uh, but still had him make a throw because I ran hard down the line. And, um, you know, that's just baseball being baseball. If you, if you make quick good contact on the ball and challenge somebody, good things might happen. And, and it just so happened that in that case it did. And, and I think it, you know, maybe the hustle, you know, base, the game of baseball rewarded me with the, with the quality sack bunt, the first base side. And so, you know, I just love, I just love being a baseball player. I, I hate, I think that's maybe the one thing I loved about being in the national league is that I can be a full, I can, I can accomplish my entire game is, is be a full baseball player as opposed to just being a pitcher. Um, and so that was just, it's just fun when I get to hit. And the, the coolest part about the whole outing the other day on the offensive side of the ball is being able to face my former closer, Jimmy Scherfe. Um, uh When we were in college together at Oregon, um, he was our closer my freshman year. And 
Um, he had this wipeout slider through 97, and to be able to sit in the box and experience that for myself, uh, that was pretty cool. Do you ever think about, now you're not getting that many opportunities, but, you know, a lot of times the pitcher's going to, he's going to throw you a fastball first pitch, and he's going to get it over. You ever ever think about, you know what, I'm going to come out of my shoes here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lift the leg a little bit. I'm going to try and get a little launch angle, and why not grip it and rip it? Do you ever think about that? Yeah, I mean, I had a, I had a, I think I had, it was a, it was a, I had a fastball count in my, it was like a two-one count, and I knew, I knew sure if he was going to be throwing a fastball, and I, I swung out of my shoes and fouled it over Kate's head up in the stands, and, uh, you know, it, I want to hit a home run, and actually, I really wanted a home run against against Sherfy. That was <laughs> of all the people that I wanted to get it off of it was my former teammate, just to just to have that on him, but. You know, it's at the same time. Uh, you know, I I just love the full aspect of being a baseball player is you know getting on base, you know being able to base run and and uh, you know tag and uh, read read where outfielders are, understanding they have good arms. Like it's just the full the full flow of the game is just so fun to be a part of, and being on the base pass is definitely fun for me too. And I just love hitting, and there's just so much. I could talk about offense all day. I coach hitting in the offseason. It's not foreign to me. I, I just enjoy being a ball player. Yeah, the guy going tonight, James Caprellian, you know, everything that he's been through. But we were told, hey, listen, when he's healthy, this guy is legit. And kind of like yourself, He's somebody that's constantly pounding the strike zone, challenging people, and we've seen in multiple games him get into trouble and him have the confidence to get out of trouble. I always talk about with, with, with guys who are young pitchers, they're either guys that are going out there to win or guys going out there to survive. James is the kind of guy for me that's going out there to win. Tell me what you've seen in the right-hander who's going tonight for your club. I'll tell you what. Cap is absolutely an incredible athlete and has incredible work ethic. There's nothing like it on this team in comparison to our starters. Um, he he's a absolute competitor and wants to win every night, like you said. And uh, it's really fun to. It's very easy to root for the guy too because he just works so so hard. Um, you know what's what's unique about him. And some similarities with myself is like you like you said you mentioned is his strike throwing ability, and I think you know you think about the Pac-12 pitchers that are around the uh, around the game. You know there, you see a lot of strike throwers out of those guys, and and Coach Savage down in UCLA put a good I'm I'm sure probably put a good word in his head about you know the ability to throw strikes and the importance of getting strike one and those one one counts and. And he's got better stuff than I do, without a doubt. And it's and it's pretty cool to watch him fill up the zone with his stuff and have the confidence uh, that you see every every day he goes out there. And then when he does come off the mound and he's a little disappointed in outings, he's instantly looking for that for that opportunity to get better. It's 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 incredible. And I and I and I. Have, love his work ethic it rubs off on all of us we're we all work you know just as hard and and we try to match each other a lot of the time and it's just he brings a new level to the game and i love it let's end on this come late august september into october 
we got so many Pac-12 guys on this team. So when college football starts and you got Bowmel and Canner, Cal guys, <laughs> you got Lowry and Piscotti or Stanford, Caps, UCLA, your Oregon, there's going to be a lot of I, I, there's going to be a lot of fun between you guys in that clubhouse once we get this Pac-12 season going. Oh my gosh! You know what? If there's one sport that I I absolutely love, it's college football. College football is is the best thing. I grew up on it, and uh, I, I'm 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 really looking forward to having some having some bets with these guys in the clubhouse over some college football because I know I know I'm probably gonna lose some lose on some owing guys some wine or something. But uh, these guys, we all I mean even during the college world series, I mean just just camping, uh, you know. Uh, camp in Moreland right now are, 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 you know, talking about the game. The game's on in our clubhouse. And so it's, it's a lot of fun. I think college, college sports is so, is so awesome. And, um, you know, the other thing is too, is, is everyone, everyone just loves college sports because that's, that's really, you know, we, we look back on our years in college and we, we all knew we had a good time and had fun and, so I think there's just that mutual respect for each other's universities and stuff too, except for except for Stanford. I, you know, I can't really stand those guys over there. <laughs> well, I'm looking at hey, you guys had a good recruiting class, and your first game is going to be September 4th against Fresno State. I don't know, you might you you might be winning some wine off these guys with your ducks. Yeah, we, I'm hoping that the ducks the ducks figure out. I don't know what we're doing at quarterback just yet, so that's. That's my only. That's my only question mark on our squad. I know we're going to have the offensive, defensive lines. We'll be. We'll be locked in. Well, hey, it's always a treat to talk to you. And watching it twice get close to that CG, I think you're going to get one this year. But you've been throwing the ball great. Keep it up, and we can't wait to see it down on the field on Friday. Yeah, awesome. Can't wait to meet you in person. And thanks for having me on. You know, we were tipped off by our good friend, Kevin Franzen, another great San Jose State Spartan. Now, we're the broadcasters for the Philadelphia Phillies. When we acquired Cole with the Athletics, he immediately reached out to us and said, you got to get him on. He's a great interview. Franny has not always been right about a lot of things, (laughs) but on this, I got to say, when you just start looking around the diamond – this has to be one of the best teams I've ever been able to interview with the A's. I mean, look around the diamond. I mean, Cole Irvin's great. Chris Bassett, phenomenal. Sean is good. I mean, guys in the bullpen, your PSAC rival. Name that league again just to let people know. what that. The, the Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference. You guys are rivals. Lose great. Uh, I, I think Mark Canna, Stephen Piscotti, uh, Tony Kemp, Matt Olson, Matt Chapman. I mean, you go down the line. We've got a really good talking group. And not every team is like that, and that's fine. I mean, not, not everybody's going to be a media darling. But I think, you know, and you look at Bob Melvin, and you look at Scott Emerson. I mean, I just we're, – we're really lucky with the A's from a media standpoint. And I do think – the fans really appreciate that. They appreciate good interviews from, you know, their favorite players. I think there's uh, no doubt about it. Yeah, we've been lucky to have a lot of guys that are, one, willing to do the interview. So that's been great. And, and they're good talkers. 
I mean, a guy that we first found out when a couple years ago that's a really good interview is Seth Brown. When we first, when Seth Brown yeah, got first Seth caught Brown. up. He, Sky Bolt. Yeah. There's been guys that have been really good, really good. I mean, one of our favorite interviews to do is the manager of the AAA team. Well, the greatest – well, they were the greatest offensive of all time. I don't I, – Fran. Don't I, you I, go I, against Fran Reardon. We're not going against Fran, but – How Fran, dare you? Fran, you got to figure the pitching out down there, brother. I don't know what's going on. You, you had the greatest offense ever, and that's, it's – the offense is still pretty good, but the the pitching down there needs to be figured out around the whole league, not just not just in Vegas, but Triple uh, A baseball. It's uh, well, it's can, a hitters league. I mean, can you imagine? I, I mean, all right, I'm gonna look it up right here. Salt Lake City altitude. All right, four thousand two hundred twenty six feet. That's it. I mean. You're playing on a mountain. You're playing an elevation. And then you got to go down to Vegas where it's hot and the wind blows out and it's the thin air of the desert. I mean, I, these AAA pitchers, I mean, I feel bad for them. Because these guys, you know, you know what? The offensive players aren't that good and the pitchers are not that bad. I think that's just a reality. Yeah, it's true. And oh, they'll figure it out. I mean – I'd say the, it's I'd say it's still early, but it's not early. We're coming up to the All Star break, so it's it's not early. All right, let's do a couple buying and selling before we get out of here. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. Well, I'd ask you about Kyle Schwarber, but we already kind of went over Kyle Schwarber, so let's just skip that one. Let's talk about uh, if Car- if he if he had, if he's getting tested. You know, because the tests are random. But if he's passed test, he's having arguably the great. You know, it's not arguably. He's having the greatest clean run for a home run hitter of all time. That's uh, incredible. What he's doing is absolutely incredible. And he's, what's he, where's he batting in the lineup? First. Lead off. That's right. He's hitting lead off. So anyway, uh, Hector Santiago of the White Sox, where they play at? Uh, that would be the north side of Chicago. Wrong. It would be the. South side of Chicago. I've never heard that before. <laughs> the Southsiders. Is there anybody? Well, the Yankees in the Bronx. I guess the Mets and Queens. But, you know, has anybody else ever really been like Dodger Stadium north of Hollywood? Has anybody been talked about more about being the Southsiders no. than the Chicago White Sox? So, no. But they, they, the San Diego I, Pot, the, the gas lamp. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't hear. I don't hear them going. Uh, the the San Francisco Giants, China Basin, Little Havana, the Miami Marlins. Yeah. So Hector Santiago, the Marlins, former Chicago White Sox, became the first pitcher in Major League Baseball to be ejected for the use of illegal substance since the league inst- installed mandatory umpire grip uh, checks for uh, grip enhancing agents on Monday. Santiago and Scott Service, the manager of the Mariners, said post game that the substance the left hander was cited for was created when legal rosin was used mixed with his sweat, which became more um, – was was used on mid-80s day with humidity approaching 90%. The fifth inning was the first instance in which Santiago's glove was examined on Sunday. Here's what he said. I wasn't using anything besides rosin. That's what was given to us because going into this one, once it came up, I was just like, I'm going to use rosin. That's what we got. I don't want to – I don't want this to be, be a big thing. I don't want this to happen to me. And Phil Cuzzy said just because he just felt some sticky stuff on the inside of the glove, so all I used was rosin. 
Santiago's glove was confiscated by Cuzzy and given to an MLB authenticator on site near the home dugout who placed it in a white plastic bag. Santiago was suspended 10 games today by Major League Baseball. Buying or selling, Hector Santiago was cheating on Sunday. So this is the question that I have. He is suspended based off what proof? Like if they take the glove and they find nothing in the glove, I don't know how you're going to, I don't know how you test for sunscreen. I mean, we're really in the unknown here. And this is what I tried to bring up on the broadcast the other day. And we really don't have the answer. Like if you're the players union and you suspended a guy and you have zero proof that there's anything in the glove, I don't know if they took samples from his skin. I, I, I don't know how it works. But don't you have to be proven guilty before you get suspended? Right? Yeah. You're innocent till proven guilty. You you can be you can you can take a guess and say, I think he was using it, but that's how we're gonna suspend players based off I'm guessing whether he had it on him or not. Shouldn't you be suspended once you do? There's got to be something. I'm not a chemist, but there's got to be something that they can tell what kind of substance is on the glove. And if they find it on the glove, suspend the guy. But I think, don't you have to have proof before you suspend the guy? Yeah, you would think so. But uh, this is a uh, very, wait for it, sticky situation the baseball's in. Oh, we've gone from loosey-goosey to even more loosey-goosey. Like, who, who knows even the rules of this? Yeah, well, well, we'll find out more as they come. Before we end, let's give our fans some good news. The Baltimore Orioles are beating the Astros right now 1-0 as they are in the second inning in Houston. Cedric Mullins, probably the all-star of the uh, Orioles, has hit a home run. Uh, and congratulations, as I clap uh, without the applause of the uh, sound effects, to our good friend Trey Mancini. He will participate in the home run derby, by the way. So good for Trey. What a great story. A young man being diagnosed with... Colon cancer, uh, how scary, you know, because this, you know, you get that news and you start wondering, you know, about your life. And the fact that he is beating it and hopefully he continues to beat it and the fact that he is going to be in Home Run Derby, it may be the biggest standing ovation in Home Run Derby history. No question about it. All right, is that going to do it for? Yeah. Okay. That's it for today. We want to thank everybody who stopped by. Bill Moriarty, also Bob Nightingale, and Cole Irvin stopping by A's Cast Live. We're back tomorrow at 4 o'clock. That's correct. Who do we got? Uh, we, we're going to talk to Mike Farron, not about the Diamondbacks. Well, we'll ask him about the Diamondbacks. Oh, right? we got to ask him about the Diamondbacks. Well, we're going to talk more Major League Baseball. I mean, we texted him, thought it was funny, didn't get a return. You know, we'll, have to, we'll have to put on blast for that. Didn't get a return, and then and, we'll talk about Major League Baseball. And Ray Fossey. Raymond. Raymond will be here. Well, we haven't seen him yet today. We're getting close. Is Ray in the building? Well, we'll find out. I mean, I texted him earlier. I talked to him earlier via text. All right. We'll the, find out. The great Ray Fossey tomorrow right here on A's Cast Live. Coming, in, coming up in moments, we'll be back for A's Total Access. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.